Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome, dear listeners, back to The Dark Zone. This is your host, Brian Gatins. Episode number 62 of The Dark Zone. Today we are joined by Team Bend Racing Skin Doctor, fresh off their win at Expedition Ozark, a brand new demonstration race down in Bentonville, Arkansas. The race has been awesome. They absolutely crushed it. Tremendous work by Heidi Muller to ARWS in bringing the race down there. Kudos to race directors Jason Bettis and Danny Collins. We are joined by Chelsea Magnus, Alex Provost, Corinne Corbet, and Dusty Casera as they tell their story about their resounding win down at Expedition Ozark. We are grateful for their time. They were a little sleep deprived, but they were lucid and cogent, and we were lucky to have them. So welcome to the Dark Zone. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show after a few words from our sponsors. Thanks for being here. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank VJ Shoes for sponsoring the show. VJs have made quite the splash on the AR scene thanks to their grippy soles, lightweight, and how quickly they drain water. If you're in the market for a new way to treat your feet right, check them out. Listeners of the Dark Zone can go to vjshoesusa.com slash the-dark-zone and enter the code DARKZONE20, all one word, for a $20 discount on your purchase. Thank you to VJ for supporting Adventure Racing, and that link will be in the show notes. I'd like to also mention the Dark Zone's charity partner, Ascend Athletics. We are proud to support their mission to empower young women through mountaineering-based leadership training and community service. All of our listeners are encouraged to visit ascendathletics.org to learn more about Ascend and their work in helping to develop leadership and resiliency in young women in Pakistan and Afghanistan through fitness, mental health, community service, and mountaineering. Please note that Ascend pays nothing for this mention. We just love the work that they do, and are happy to spread the word. Be sure to check out their website for some upcoming activities that anyone can get involved in. And now sit back and relax and enjoy Bend Racing. Welcome to the Dark Zone and Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. Today we are joined by the, the victors of Expedition Ozark, the first Expedition Ozark. We have Bend Racing Skin Doctors here. To my left, you can't see it at home, folks. I have Chelsea Magnus. I have Alex Provost. I have Katerine Corbet. And I have Dusty Casaria. They were victorious. 120-hour race. They did it in 85 hours and 40 minutes. They led from the 13th hour. 13 hours on, they led all the way through. Delighted to have them on the dark zone. They I've just woke up from their first nap. They have dinner next. So we're going to make good use of their time. Chelsea, I want to start with you. Big race, 85 hours of racing. It's like eating an elephant. But one bite at a time. Tell us a bit about the race. How you feeling now? Obviously, it went really well for you. What was your experience like? Wow. Okay. That was a lot of things, Brian. Um, the race, I'll, I'll do what I can here. Um, the race was amazing. Um, the the course, I'll speak of that just first because that's what is on my mind first. Uh, I had no idea what to expect about Arkansas. And um, I knew that the Ozarks were cool. They sounded cool. Lots of mountain biking. So I was excited about that. But getting here and, you know, first impressions of even the town Fayetteville that we arrived in, super awesome, beautiful little town. And from the start to the finish, I was just just floored, surprised by how beautiful and cool it was here. What a cool little gem that we have right here in the U.S. Um, uh, the race all the way through it, I felt really good and um, had some low points, of course, as you do. But it was just super fun. It was just a super fun, amazing race for us. And um, yeah, felt really good. And yeah, I'm just excited to be finished now and um, on, on the recovery part. Like this is 
this is also a really fun part of eating and sleeping and looking back through the social media. It looks like it was a really well covered race and well commented on. And um, yeah, I'm just super grateful and also just um, humble as well. Just like, wow, this people were watching and um, the sport is growing. And that makes me really, really excited. That is a, a topic that's come up a lot during the course of the races, the natural beauty of the Ozarks of the area. And Bentonville has shown very well. Credit to first-time race directors Jason Bettis and Danny Collins for Exhibition Ozark with the support of Heidi Muller at ARWS, a lot of support in the local community. Um, there's a lot of social media out there about the local uh, residents who were following the race along the way and were doing all of those things. So they brought a, a tremendous amount of, of media there. Rob Howard was instrumental in coordinating all the photographers and the nightly commentary and all of that. So it sounds like we had a really nice match where we had a challenging, beautiful course, met a race experience that the racers enjoyed and we talked a lot about. Alex, I see you nodding your head when I brought up the idea of the race experience. How did you take in the race? How did it feel for you as you were out there? Uh, <clears throat> well, I, I was uh, to echo that, uh, what Chelsea mentioned. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, but in the race, Boy, it was, uh, it always felt like we, I mean, people were so happy to see us and, and they knew what we were doing. Actually, they, they knew it was an expedition race. They knew, uh, they knew we were racing. They knew we were on course. They were cheering, uh, cheering us. Uh, it was quite amazing. And, uh, yeah, all, all, all the, the, the beauties, you know, we, we were so surprised about all the, the, the beauties of, uh, of the place, uh, to me for me it was it was you know especially on the rivers the rivers were so amazing uh and so no the the, the welcome and uh the the warmth of uh the 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 people here uh it 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 not felt like it was their first experience you know organizing a race i mean we we got to the finish line and it was like uh equal as e equally big as world championship <laughs> And, and I was like, damn, this is crazy. This is uh, this is definitely, you know, it's the kind of race that can uh, certainly inspire a lot of people and uh, keep, uh, you know, be really positive for the, the growth of, uh, of the sport. I agree with that. The uh, Definitely a, a great springboard into the beginning of the race season. A lot of great races coming right around the corner. You know, it's only April, right? And so therefore, there's a, there's a, a ton of stuff on the way. One comment that was passed last night, there was a video of you cycling from that final rappel caving section to the finish. And you looked strong on that bike path. You look like you were, you had, you had the taste of the finish line in your mouth. But over the course of the entire race, you looked strong the entire time. Question for anyone to answer. What do you attribute that strength? What did you do right out there? the best clearly you did a lot of things right to hold it together for so long but what do you think you really nailed as a team to be to be performing this well so late in the race hmm. good question <laughs> um the first thing that popped up into my mind is i really felt like we were on nutrition wise um you know like we were always eating and drinking and talking about it and doing it. And I really feel like that fueled us um, through the race, just on a, on a physical um, note. Um, and maybe someone wants to talk about maybe the emotional note of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, we, we had no real expectation because the, there were really good teams. Uh, so, I mean, of course we, we were like every race, we want to go out there and give our best. But uh, and like the first two sections, you know, it, it we got, you know, in that first mountain bike where we got to, to the boat put in, I we thought we did really well. And uh, so we got to, to, to the river again thinking, oh, yeah, it's going well. So uh, we, we had no real idea of what our placing was. But at the end of the boat, we, we got we realized we were pretty, you know, uh, only Brazil was in front. And uh, from there on, we were like, okay, look, we, we just keep doing whatever we're doing. It seemed to be working. And uh, let, let's just keep it from there. And, uh, and yeah, it worked. 
Let me ask you a bit about that. We were um, a lot of dot watching in the race and Mark Harris at Enable uh, Tracking did a really nice job with the course and things where we knew where you were. And I don't know if you've talked about this yet, if people have told you about this, but within five minutes of the start of the race, everybody was sort of scratching their heads at a route choice that you made in the beginning to take the northern section out of the TA on the way to, after the prologue, to the boat as opposed to the southern choice. And it cost you some time. And clearly it didn't cost you that much time because you're talking to me after winning it. The The decision to take the northern section was a really covered topic on a lot of the social media. We talked a bit about it. Can you talk a bit about that decision that was made? Because we all had the maps. We all had it. And, you know, we're all armchair quarterbacks, right? So what do we know? You're out there racing. What drove that decision to go in that direction at the beginning of the race? This one is supposed to be Nagy. But, uh, okay, so so uh, on the first, where is it? First mark. We've lost um, 30 minutes, I think. Right. Yeah, the, this is the route where. This is, uh, so this is the, why, okay. The map, the map we were looking at during planning, um, yeah. and to be honest, I haven't even looked more into it. I would like to to see the route, the other route teams took, but um, we just got a bunch of maps that covered all of those first three stages. There were dedicated uh, maps for the trek paddle or the bike. Um, so kind of the maps that we had set up for that bike um didn't show a further route or we missed it or something um yeah. there was a road that we continue that we started down at one point after i think the first checkpoint on that bike and that road um it went off the edge of the map before it hit anything else so it may have gone that way um but we went down at maybe 15 seconds before realizing it was the wrong one and then right. stopped and then turned around. Uh, if that was the route other teams took, I, again, I'm not sure. Um, that's when Brazil, we saw Brazil pass we, us. Oh, you, right. Well, you were in very good company. And that's what made it so interesting is you, when you look into the maps, it wasn't like you were the only team that made that route choice. Like other yeah. strong, strong teams went the same way. And so we were curious in our discussions of how you, who chose that route, who chose the Northern parts and the Southern part. And I think when you look more at the maps, you'll get a better understanding of that. But that was a fascinating way to get into a multi-day race. And within the first 30 minutes of the race, so many strong teams going in different directions right away, which really kind of set a tone, it felt, for a large part of the race. Yeah. And I want to talk about that tone because we were um, very, um, what's the word, um, focused and tried to stay on. I know you always hear race your own race. But we really just stuck to that. So even when we went to the TA, we all saw that you know, the situation and we just kept on it. We did our TA and it didn't even phase us. We're like, oh, to keep going, you know. So you didn't fall into the trap of the adrenaline going up, rushing, yeah. making bad and leaving something behind. Yeah, we didn't let that like get to us at all because we're only in the stage two you know yeah, exactly yeah we had a lot of race ahead there are so many stages and um i think that's a big um of our team spirit of just like head down stay focused um but still have fun and not let it sour your spirits kareem what do you think yeah actually i felt that i had more energy not having to think about other teams so my energy level was higher because of, just because of that because I, I removed the stress part of it. And yeah, it felt great. And I I, I was the one who always, always calling, I don't care what the other people are doing. We're doing great, so I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like if we finish in 10th place and we do the race we were, we were doing, we would be happy with that result. Well, on that note, a lot of very, very strong teams were in this race. So what, what conversations, I'll rephrase that question because there were so many strong teams in the race alongside you and you being a strong team yourself. I'm assuming you realized that you couldn't possibly think about your performance in relation to them because you were going to see so many teams at so many times in so many places. You would give so much mental energy to them that you would lose for yourself if you did that. And I see some heads are nodding when I say that. Right. So that was clearly the thought. Yeah. I mean, between Viterate, Brazil Multisport, Racing Denmark that went and they won Itera last year. Like you couldn't possibly have thought about all those teams because it would just, it would ruin you for the race. Exactly. I think we didn't have that pressure that we were not their favorite. 
from the start. And for us, it was like, well, just do what we know to do and we'll see how it's going to come out. Yeah, let's go have a really good training week together with really good friends. Yeah, so- and many, uh, you know, in the past uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of the time when you make mistakes, you, you, you end up making mistakes when you, you know, give uh, too much attention to other teams, uh, what they're doing and why they're doing it. And uh, and it it, it it hurt us in the past uh, a few times. So and so that was really uh, uh, one, one important thing for us just to do our thing. Uh, and let other people do their thing. And uh, uh, so we had our plan and we just decided to to stick to it and uh, and not let, you know, people around us distract us from our goal. So, but and it's probably easier said than, than done, well, but we, we did a good job at it. Well, it's, it's, well first, you, 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 noted, you noted when you gave that answer that you talked about how you've learned from the past, right? So other races have shown you that that's, that's wasted energy. On top of that too, and I, I think Kareen hit this down on the head, because you were somewhat the underdogs in relation to these strong teams, you had a sense of relaxation going into the race that you just had to perform at your best. And if another team came out and won the race, it'd be like, well, those guys win races. That's what happens. And mm-hmm. so you were really free to be who you wanted to be. And mm-hmm. it was that freedom that let you race with that looseness and have that flow along the way. Um, now, you did have a pretty interesting pre-race wrinkle that came in where where Jason Magnus, Chelsea's husband, who was hit with the kidney stone. And Jason, by the way, has been fantastic during the race, his online dot watching. We had a chance to record a Flash podcast. I felt like he was there with you the entire time psychically. There's no doubt about it. Jason got hit with a kidney stone and they had to sub in Dusty. Dusty, how soon before the race you had to leave for the race did you get the phone call that you were going? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, 10. Yeah, I guess around 10 a.m. on Friday morning, I got a message. They didn't know it was a kidney stone yet, but Chelsea just said, you know, Jason has sudden abdominal pain. We don't know why I'm taking him to the ER. Um, and I talked to Jason months ago, um, and he just kind of asked if I could be a alternate for this race. Um, I told him that I had a, a course, a navigation course, actually, that I was teaching on Saturday and that if I um, was going to go, I need to get it back up for that. So my wife, Emily, was kind of on deck to lead that if I couldn't make it. But the, I mean, I figured I would know at least a week before, if not more. Um, so because the, the race, you got the call Friday and the race started on Monday. Monday. Yeah. So, so I was um, getting ready to go out and set the checkpoints for the navigation clinic I was teaching the next day. Imagine, imagine yeah. if your phone was on do not disturb for like three hours, <laughs> the, the whole race would have been different. These guys would have come in like 19th place. Like, <laughs> holy cow. Like that's an amazing thing that, that, that those things came together and you're able to make the race the entire time. And you could just, off you go, you're flying down to Arkansas and you're going to go win a race. So that that's great stuff. I think he landed Sunday p uh, Sunday p.m. Yeah, and we had well, to turn back all the bins and the box back boxes by seven p.m. <laughs> so we had about yeah, I was well, I was five I hours was at the two. gym too when the when I got the first message and um, Dan um, was also a a potential alternate. So I at the gym got on a quick call with him to see who was in a better position to maybe go last minute and. Um, Chelsea booked plane tickets for both of us. I asked her if she could please book it for Sunday because um, we hadn't made arrangements for Emily to cover for me for the clinic the next day that I had to teach. And she had a 12 hour shift at the hospital. So um, yeah, and then we got that all set and I um, packed a few things just in case. Um, still hoping I didn't have to go. <laughs> and, then, um, and then Emily was had that day off, um, and she was able to help me. So we headed out and set the course for the class I was teaching the next day. And we were out setting course until about seven, um, seven fifteen that night. And on the drive back home, got a call from Jason that I was going for sure. So. Then 
<laughs> just tried to pack as much as I could that night. Got up at six the next morning and was out teaching the class all day. And then uh, drove down to Seattle late that evening and got three hours of sleep and then got on the 5.15 flight out of, Sa- out of Seattle the next morning. <laughs> So and, and here you are. You know, there's expression yeah. adventure racing. The hardest, the hardest part of the race is getting to the start line. And I think that you <laughs> yeah. really kind of yeah. brought that alive right there. Um, yeah. I didn't even pack half of my stuff. Emily was, I mean, I'm frantically trying to get everything I need. And she's just, luckily, she knows me very well and knows what I need. So I show up here and I'm like, I don't know half the stuff that's in this bag, but Emily grabbed it for me. And I'm sure, <laughs> like, I hope I have most things um yeah and then i i had maybe three hours or so here um before everything needed to be turned in i didn't even get a chance to take my bike out of its box and build it here it's just just turned it in open the box through in some transition bags um and then visually looked to make sure my bike wasn't broken and then you know, just cross my fingers and hope it works when I first need it. Were there any, on that note, and I, and clearly the bike held together, were there any uh, mechanical issues during the race? We get a flat, that we blow a chain, drop a, a derailleur. I see Chelsea nodding your head. What mechanical did the team have? Um, Alex's bike, his front wheel, um, the skewer got stuck in the wheel. And so we couldn't, and that was on the first bike. And so we couldn't... Um, take out the skewer we couldn't take off his front wheel so we had to pray and hope for no flat tires that we didn't actually have to take off the tires which we didn't um we figured out how to take off his handlebar and the derailleur to put in the box when we did have to put it in the bike box it added more time but we were able to do it so it definitely added some stress during our bikes and alex didn't tell us about that worry for a long time no. so, <laughs> but, that, but that's an interesting decision to make as a teammate when do you let people in on something right when do you say am i gonna bother these guys or not no nah, we'll, we'll let it be a problem when it's a problem yeah alex yeah exactly so i was like okay we i mean uh, the 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 first problem was that okay how will that fit in the box uh so we kind of okay we found a way to do that but then you know uh, i was writing it and i'm like Damn! If uh, if we make it flat, you know, it we have to be able to repair with a tire plug, and you know, to and reinflate. Otherwise, if we have to make a tube to put a tube in, we're we're screwed. Uh, so I w- and I was like, mm, okay, no, I don't need to tell them that. I mean, we already have right. enough on our mind, and uh, it was funny. I think I told these guys uh i told them that this morning i was like guys you realize that if we had had a flat <laughs> you know it, it could have been a problem yeah in the past you had many flats in the places flats. <laughs> i am so glad that i was not a part of that yeah. well, well, well imagine in the worst case scenario here you are leading the race and you have a mechanic and it was a lot of bicycle riding towards yeah. the finish yeah if you get yeah. a flat and it cost you the win yeah. i mean that'd be a, that'd be a rough thing to to yeah. wrap your head around we, uh you know in the in our gearbox uh we always pack an extra tire uh but then uh you know for the for the last section or or the previous last you know uh, it was the last time we, we would uh, see our bin and we were uh going on that five hour uh, ride I was like, so I saw the tire and I'm like, okay, I'm packing up, I'm packing up this tire. So we carry the tire for that last section because you never know. I, I didn't want it to, you know, have a solution in my bin that I didn't carry. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So where did you know in, in relation to during the race itself, it's, did you, did you, first off, I'm assuming you knew you were in the lead for that long, correct? Like when you'd go through the TAs, you'd be by yourself, all of that. Was that an unspoken fact or did you say to yourselves, we're in the lead now, we have to do this or we're just going to keep racing when we keep going? Because you didn't know how far those teams were behind you. And then at what point did you see the other teams later in the race? And and did that spook you at all? Because once again, it sounds like mentally you're a very strong team, but those things happen, right? Exhaustion comes in. We'll talk sleep strategy in a second because that was a big question was how much you were sleeping. That'll be a follow up. Seeing the other teams during the track, seeing them during in the TAs, how did how did that play out during the race? And we had the Estonian team breath in our neck 
<laughs> pretty much entire race. And we're pretty excited about that because like we know those people, we love those people. We were very excited to see them. And it fired up like the motivation from us to keep pushing as hard as we could without doing it too much. But I think we we, we were just very excited to run more, push more, uh, like yeah. splitting, like speak more if we had some low moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, even on the last trek, we thought we had maybe just 10, 15 minutes lead at that point so yeah. we just sprint the last track yeah. <laughs> thinking they they could pass they could have passed us at any time mm-hmm. so a common question that comes up when we talk to to people about adventure racing how fast in that last track I mean, it was hobbs how fast were you traveling were you were you running were you hiking were you walking up hills were you like do you have any sense of your pace because people ask all the time how can people possibly be going that quickly that late in a race was that the last track? Is that Hobbs? I the, think so. With the rappel? Yeah. Yeah. I we apologize. Were... No, that was not. The, the Hobbs was the one before that. So go back, go back one yeah. track. And I know I'm probably oh, testing oh, your memory. What we were doing in that Hobbs where we slept, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, um, we were feeling really, really good at that point, actually. Um, we, I don't even think that we knew like exactly how much time, because sometimes they told us how much like when Estonia left um, the last TA or like how far behind us they were. Um, I don't remember getting that time estimate, but I feel like we, uh, we were running all the flats um, and we were uh, trekking as fast, but comfortably through um, the bush. Uh, Dusty was always out front setting the pace and with the map, which was really nice. And it just gave me personally, just like the safety feeling of following and um, someone to just like keep pace with. Um, And I felt like all of us didn't have much low points um, for that trek. How about about overall during the race, low points during the race? everyone have? Everybody always has their own. How were they relative to other races? Were there any really deep low moments here? Obviously, the weather hold, which we should talk about also. Like, like how how were those low points during the race? The low, you can go. Yeah, maybe. uh, Well, one maybe not low point, but scary point. in uh well i think it's the third the third bike or second bike uh i had a crash on a road uh and uh it's kind of you know when you crash and you feel that it's a it's a big hit right and and you kind of you're okay but you get scared of it and uh so i had one of those crash and so we we stopped uh obviously i was like it took me a second or two before going you know uh going up and uh that was a scary moment and i was like okay i feel fine i can i can pedal no worries there so we we just kept going uh but on the ne- on the trek after that i was i was like oh okay now i, I have i don't have the same mobility all right so so we had to reshuffle gear and uh, and really had you know to focus on teamwork to ensure that I was able to follow at that moment. Uh, and I was also afraid of the next day trek because we we I knew we had another big trek that that hubs trek after that and I was like okay well if we need to I I, I can I can uh, boat anytime I can you know bike no problem but how will i feel in that uh that last big trek uh but then in the end we 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 managed it well and uh that 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 injury didn't impacted me too much but uh that was certainly in the back of our mind uh during that whole time so we we took we took uh, appropriate actions for that yeah and then yeah. i had a poison ivy i'm really really allergic to it and i saw it from the first trek but we were going fast and hard and I was, I just didn't want to like have that worry. So I just followed the team through what, wherever they went. And um, I, I was like, let's see what happens. And sure enough, I think it was day two. I um, finished that the four hour trek. Um, what was that stage? You guys remember before? 
stage like, four. Was it stage four? Yeah. Um, it was after the the paddle, the two hour paddle into mm-hmm. the. And anyways, we were just finishing, and my whole body started to turn on fire. Um, and throughout that trek, I was getting worse and worse. And I didn't say much. I just was like, oh, maybe it's just in my head. But then as we were finishing and we um, we had to go down this really steep part and I just saw so much poison ivy and my body, I just looked down at my arms and they started to flare up and I could feel it just getting super itchy. And um, I just know that feeling. I've had it really bad. And I just started to cry and I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Um, Because it's a very painful rash for me and um i don't know who said it but they were just like let's just get to the ta let's go there fast and um within a few minutes we were there and luckily there was a medic there and um i told him and asked for prednisone because i know that helps me and um there was a little decision there adrian was there luckily and we had some back and forth of like if it was going to enhance my performance and it actually does the opposite but i was like i will take whatever to to keep racing and i will deal with the symptoms of it or the side effects of it and i was so grateful that they had a shot so i got a shot of prednisone there and um they also had some stuff to wash it off all my body. And um, because usually I would take it, but um, Danny and Jason were like, oh, it's still spring. It's not here at all. But spring happened during the race for us. And so it was just sprouted. And that's when it like the oil is really live. And um, so that was a really low moment for me. I had to cry. (laughs) And um, but then I just just breathed it out. And I was like, it's going to be okay and, and it was if it's any so, consolation chelsea i am itchy right now scratching my arm while you're talking about it so i can feel your feel that across the internet that when so yeah. clearly between the crash and the poison ivy it wasn't like you skipped from the first the beginning of the race to the very very end of the race the the weather hold the four-hour weather hold which was uh, a rock thrown into the pond of the race and a lot of teams had to make a lot of decisions about whether to continue or where to hold how did that four hour weather hold impact you as a team? How did it impact your sleep strategy? And then what, what did you do to adjust your way around it? Well, we, we had planned to sleep uh, on that night. Uh, so uh, when we heard about it, we, uh, we said, okay, well, first we're not going to sleep before that, but we, we were kind of ahead on, on schedule uh, for, uh, for our race plan. So, uh, so we were like, okay, well, great. You know, if it's, uh, if, if it's a hole there, uh, we, we, we can sleep there. And, uh, and, uh, we asked, uh, you know, uh, the race directors at, uh, at the TA before that we asked them, okay, well, what are the facilities there, the infrastructure and stuff. And it was, uh, it was a sheltered place and, uh, and we said, okay, well, maybe it, it, it's a good place to, to sleep after all. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, it gave us also, uh, an idea about our lead because, uh, you know, when we got there, you know, we we have to put our check in time and, uh, and we knew, you know, the, the Estonians, uh, with, uh, Danny and Philly arrived, uh, maybe what, 30, 30 minutes, 32 minutes after. All right. And that that 32 minutes is actually uh, a bit funny. But, uh, you know, so so we, we, we knew we knew that, uh, you know, it, it was it was a good spot for us. Uh, we, we managed to recover well. And uh, also, uh, this is where uh, I could have a bit of extra time to manage my bike situation. Uh, so in the end, uh, I can say, well, for us, it, it was not a bad thing. It was, it was a definitely interesting or that early in the race to have that long of a sleep. Yeah. I'm sure it probably. Gave us a lot of, yeah. I'm sorry. That gave us a lot of motivation to push on that bike because we were like, we should go as fast as we can so we can get as much Perfect. yeah, time credit and time to take care of ourselves, to take care of our gear mm-hmm. and look at maps for Dusty. Yeah. He had yeah. to map all the we, next we, few sections. Yeah, we we had to map the, the next sections at, at uh 
uh, at that moment too. So uh, so we we managed to take care of that uh, on that uh, on that team. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, you know, second night having a four hour sleep. I now backing up to the beginning of the race. What was your sleep strategy going into the race? What did you expect to have each night? Did you expect to do a long sleep? Were you going to go through the first day? How are you going to break out your sleep? Because I know that Bend Racing, Skin Doctor, makes certain that all of everything, everything is pre planned, right? You know what you had planned going into the race. What did you expect your your sleep to be like? Well, our sleep plan was to not sleep the first night you know, um, to go through until the next night, um, to sleep the second night and, um, either sleep depending on how we were feeling, um, 90 minutes to two, 90 minutes to three hours, like have a stop there. Um, and then the next night have either a stop of 90 minutes, probably more like 90 to two hours for the the next, the third night. And then, um, just hightail it to the finish. And so you were planning on now knowing the speed at which you would travel. How many nights did you plan that? Did you plan on having, having to sleep? Were you, were you, did you think you'd be on the course for the full five days or did you figure you'd be done in three and a half, four days? So you really didn't think, did you bank on being done then? Yeah, no, we, we had, uh, we, we figured we would, uh, arrive on the morning of, uh, of the fifth day. Okay. Uh, because all, 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 all the, yeah, so this morning, oh, because all the fast estimates uh, got there uh, pretty much at that time. So, uh, so we were planning for four nights uh, and, and always like the last night, you, especially if you expect to finish in the morning, then you don't want to do, uh, to sleep too much on that night. But uh, it was important to have uh, those three you know uh those three about an hour and a half two hours uh but in the end yeah being able to sleep a bit more in that first the uh, the well the first time we slept in in that forced uh, uh race stop uh yeah it, it gave us a bit more you know uh, a bit more fuel in the tank uh and we we used that yeah how did you define the caving section caving did you say caving? Yes. Was there caving? There was also the, the cave. Yeah. Oh, that, the used, that used to be like a, oh, the a cave. bar or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did I misread that? Was there was there a cave section during the race or did I did I misunderstand that? Are we, did we rip out? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, was, it was a cave section. <laughs> it was more like, it felt like it was man-made though. So, uh, so you weren't like on your hands and knees crawling through tunnels getting what? there. What's that? You weren't like on your hands and knees crawling through a cave trying to get to a checkpoint in the earth. No, we were running through it. But honestly, as I entered, I had a flashback to Paraguay. Um, we had a cave situation in Paraguay and I and towards the end of the race. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I had a little bit of PTSD of going in there to find the checkpoint. Um Oh, so, but it wasn't. It sounds like it wasn't that bad. It sounds like the rappel was a oh, lot no, of fun we too. We ran right. We ran right through it, and it was super fast and yeah. no, no issues. It was. It was more Estonia. We thought they were only minutes behind us, so um, we were just focused and, and running. And it's funny because the the reason why we we thought you know that the Estonia was behind is that on our way up to to the rappel, you know, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but we all heard. You know, people at the bottom cheering and like, yeah, <laughs> come on, team. And so we're like, shit, there must be right behind us. <laughs> so yeah. we got, uh, you know, we really shifted gear there. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at Dusty at that point and I was just like, Dusty, do you think that was for Estonia? And he was like, well, we did slow down on that last bike. And I was just like, oh, God, OK, keep it together. Breathe. Yeah. So on, on that question, Dusty, were there any significant navigation issues that threw a curveball at you during the race? Um, I mean, there were plenty of challenges yeah. in this race. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it seemed very uh, technical. Um, I mean, we didn't have any catastrophic right. error, obviously. Um, but there were plenty of little bobbles here and there. Uh, I'm trying to think of what was well, probably the worst. Well, our, moment, our stressful or our uh, little, uh, little bubble was 
when we woke up from that uh, in Hobbs, uh, when we woke up from our, our sleep, uh, we were like, uh, okay, well, uh, here's, you know, we, we had the plan to go to, to the next checkpoint. And as soon, within two minutes of starting, you know, things started to not align for Dusty and I on the map. And we were going in, in a direction. And it, yeah, it's funny because Dusty started to have a, out in his mind. and at the same moment i tell him yeah dusty i think i think we need to revisit our plan this is i think this is not the right thing and uh yeah i think well i want to talk to uh the uh, the other team the estonians and uh ecuador team because we woke up and they were hiking up the same mm -hmm. ridge that we intended to go up Mm -hmm. that we ended up going up for a few minutes and turning around. Um, we slept right at the end of this lake um, at a little boat ramp. Um, I think the issue was, was the water level of the mm -hmm. lake. Um, but I want to see what happened with, with them. Because essentially, um, it was mapped. If we went up this ridge right from the end of it, um, we could... I mean, the checkpoint was a ways away, but we that was the ridge we wanted to start attacking from. And then we had a series of goalies and ridges to get to the CP. Um, but we hit a trail on it, and that there wasn't a trail on that ridge. The next ridge over was. So we figured, oh, we're on the wrong one. So we, we dropped back down to where we slept and tried to cut over to the next one and got clipped out along the lake. And the map didn't show there being any water there. Mm -hmm. So at that point, oh, and, and Chelsea's asking, she's like, is this like, I think she's trying to get a little bit of a pulse in the situation. Is this a legitimate challenge or is this like we're loopy? Yes, we just woke up, but we've lost our marbles. And like, what? Do, how do we need to fix this? So um, anyhow, I'm still trying to like find a way to get over to the ridge we want to be on. And Alex is like, why don't we do the loop the other direction? Um, so then we would be starting with checkpoints that were in the area that we had biked through mm -hmm. um, for our sleep to get there. Uh, different checkpoint locations, but on some of the same trails. And it would let us just kind of turn our backs to this challenge um, and then approach it from the other side after it was light. Um, so that ended up working great because once we made that decision after Alex uh, suggested it, it was full speed ahead. I mean, I think the first, the next 20 or 30 minutes, there was a little bit of this um, fear kind of causing us to go a little bit slower. But then as soon as we built confidence and everything was lining up, we just went faster and faster mm -hmm. and faster. Sun came up even faster and then had no problem finding it from the other side. Um, and then, in fact, getting out of there, I knew that if I tried to stay on our marked route, it was not going to end well. So we mm -hmm. just took a slightly longer, higher route to get over to a different ridge that we knew would get us back down by the lake. So, And I think when you go back and you look at your your track, right, because with the gift of the GPS and we can see what you did, you're going to see exactly where you got tripped up there and how the the map doesn't match what you had in your hand, right? And there was a lot of that. And mm -hmm. we, water levels are always an issue, right? Water levels, mm -hmm. old trails. Another conversation that was being held, it sounds as if there were a lot more trails in the woods than people, than racers were expecting. So you had to make a lot of decisions during the race itself. Like, you know, our Mark trail popped up. It really wasn't on the map. Is it the one you want or not? It sounds like that gave teams, a, especially the hike from, you came off the first paddle. You had to hike 1.8 miles up, do your gear drop. Mm -hmm. And then you had to go to TA3. I, I don't know if you had a chance to talk to Viterade yet, but Viterade's track at that point is just a nightmare. They got so turned around at that section. We were at home. We couldn't believe how hard it was. And then teams with a lot less experience walked right to the TA. It was a really, it's a, that's going to be a very interesting thing for you, Dusty, when you sit down with Viterade and the Estonians to talk about that section, because that really threw a lot of teams for a curve. You've been awake for days and days. I don't want to pop quiz you, but do you remember that experience going from yeah. um, oh, four heads or nodding? How did that work out for you getting from that gear drop up to TA3? There was one road that was almost impossible to see. And all the other road intersections in that area were very visible um so we walked 
right or ran right past it um and the road we were on it continued on the same direction for a long ways uh and so i figured we're gonna round the corner the road straightens out and we go maybe 200 meters tops and then we're gonna hit an intersection with another road that heads straight uphill well we ran right through that because the the road heading uphill um there was it was yeah and it was straight uphill so it wasn't a traversing hill where you can see a like a bench cut right um, it was it just had bushes and trees growing in it there wasn't a gate or anything um so i've been you know having this feeling that I, it, it should be really soon like we've gone more than 200 meters mm -hmm. but i've also made the mistake in in past races of letting that thought turn me around too early um i think that's a really common thing for navigators is yeah. you just um you don't go quite far enough right. so just pushing a little further but we got to where we'd gone at least four or five hundred meters and and i stopped um at this point, I hadn't really said anything besides like, yeah, we're looking for an intersection. And then I stopped and said, I think we've gone too far. We had just passed the Estonian Ecuador team. They were not far behind us. Mm -hmm. When I turned around, they were now running away from us the other direction. So they had at the, like the exact same instant decided to turn around. And then we ran back. I don't know. It wasn't crazy far, but a few minutes probably. Mm -hmm. And and Alex, I think, was in front, and he's like looking. Could this be it? And you could kind of tell there maybe at one point was something there. And you had to be on trails, right? You weren't allowed to bushwhack. You, the, the rule was you had to be on a on a marked trail, or a tra you couldn't you couldn't be in the woods no. by yourself. You had to be yeah, on something that looked yeah. like a trail. In that whole region, those first three stages, um, there was only one small section at the very end of that forty-five mile trek that we were allowed to bushwhack. Gotcha. That was the Ozark yeah. National Forest trek. Yeah. So we kind of poked our heads in there, and once you went in a little ways, you start to see a little more evidence. Again, it was still hard. Some places it looked just like kind of an erosion gully <laughs> overgrown with bushes, but yeah. other places it, it looked a little bit more like an overgrown roadbed, but still it was it was difficult. It matched with the topography. It started kind of in a in a low spot and eventually worked up a reentrant onto the side of a ridge. Um, so that those things lined up, but I think we were just expecting that if we were looking for a road, whether it be a good road or kind of an old decommissioned one, we'd be able to pick it out easier. We weren't expecting on a roads and trails only section that we'd have to take this road that was almost impossible to see. Well, that was the when the when the when the maps came out, we all had access to them at home and we we're all armchair quarterbacks, right? One comment that came out was that that 45 mile Ozark National Forest track was going to be boring if anything else because it had to be on marked trails right every ta was no more than 50 meters whatever it was off the trail did that prove itself out or was the was the ozark national forest navigation more complex than you thought it was going to be or was it just like did it play to your natural strengths you're a strong team you travel well you travel quickly how did that play out for you that that part of the trek um yeah go ahead. it was a I mean, it was definitely different kind of navigation from the later stages, which are, were a lot more complex uh, and kind of intricate areas where we were off trail. But still, it had its own challenges and not just physical ones, because we um, definitely came across some unmapped trails or, um, you know, there were lots of little camping areas in there that would have trails out to them and you know we're trying not to get sucked into doing that out and back to every single dead end campsite out there and then there were other trails that looked like they kept going a lot further and didn't just go 100 200 meters mm -hmm. to a campground so um you definitely had to be careful through there and track pretty closely where you are so if you hit an intersection and one trail starts working up out of a valley and the other stays in it you want to know how far you've gone and know does the trail that's mapped because there's only one on the map what does it do in that area and if not 
if you take the wrong one, you know, you might figure it out fairly soon, but now you can't bushwhack to the other. So you've got to backtrack um, a lot of challenges like that, um, which I feel like are typical in a lot of races, um, but you don't always get um, that like a uh, wide variety of challenges in one race. And this race seemed like different sections had to be attacked totally different. Um, I think that's, I think you're for as, as sleep deprived as you are right now. I think that's a very astute observation, you know, from the, <laughs> from, from, from what we yeah, saw it, at home. Yeah. Go ahead, Chelsea. Well, it felt for me just um, being behind and watching these two, I was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty easy now because they were just nailing them, um, you know, and we were just moving really, really good. And so I was like, oh, this must be kind of like an easier section. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're doing really good. This is awesome. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're in the front like, and they're staring at the maps and like losing their minds a little bit. And you're like, this is great. We're really <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, they were talking and talking about other things. And we were still trying to keep that balance of have fun, but push. And um, also right. it was hot. So we were also trying to not overcook um uh corinne and alex uh, last year when we raced together in panama panama was really really hot last year was nothing like that but it kind of came out of nowhere it was like this humidity um because it wasn't super sunny um that day but it was just it was still really hot and a bit muggy and these two live in quebec and coming from a big ski trip that they were talking about so i was like oh this sounds like last year panama and sure enough they both started to kind of overheat and so we were kind of using that these two as our um, limiters on on heat to like let's not over push that edge. Um, Which is interesting, right? Because by having a natural limit inside your teammates because of where they were acclimatized, it forced you to race at a slower pace, but a fast enough pace to stay ahead, right? So you bought yourself more time down the road because you didn't burn yourself out earlier in the race. Yeah, because you could have pushed harder and mm-hmm. fall apart because you did not fall apart. That's what's amazing about this is that we one of the flash podcasts that we did, we were talking about it, that were you going to hold, keep holding that lead? And we were commenting on the, on the podcast, how rare it was for a team, unless your name is Avaya, how for a team just to hang on for the entire time and not really to be caught or get into this death match. You just simply were steady, steady, steady the entire time. A big part might be that, that earlier in the race, when it got hot, it forced you to throttle back a little bit which gave you more energy further down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will give that credit to Jason and you, Chelsea, where you put a, you put out a team from people from all over, well, different region, not, not, over, not all over the world, but from different region. So we don't have many chances to train together, but we have multiple like video call where we, we just talk about those things, mm-hmm. our strength, our, um flaws and we're aware of that and we communicate a lot we always communicate during races as soon as we start feeling feel a little bit low we don't we're not shy i don't think anybody on this team is no. um <laughs> not shy <laughs> yeah or i'm saying like yeah. I, I don't i don't think anybody on this team has a ego ego yeah high mm-hmm. ego mm-hmm. so I think that's an important thing to point out for the for the newer racer who might be listening to this podcast because the dark zone is all about the newer racer and the ability to communicate, the ability to leave your ego behind, the ability to be a good teammate is agnostic to your performance level, right? Mm-hmm. You could be newer to the sport and working on your fitness and you could be winning Expedition Ozark. That's an expectation. That's a through line through all of those experiences. That is, it does not matter who you are, but you could be that person. We did notice too a lot of the video of you in in TAs. You were talking to each other. You were having conversations in TAs. Nope, there was nobody quiet off in the corner, not talking to anybody else. Everybody had that sort of forced, you know, conversation with each other, which appeared very natural and very smooth. I also think too that there were no new conversations out there. Like everything you talked about during the race, you probably had addressed earlier in your training or in your video calls. Like it wasn't something new didn't pop up out there. Was that your experience or did were you thrown with a curveball somehow during the race? Well, Dusty was a curveball. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I mean it but uh, you know the 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 simple I mean we we didn't just found Dusty uh you know <laughs> two days before the right. race. You know we we have a a a roster of racers uh, that's uh you know for every race we have a backup. And uh and and just to be able to pick up uh you know within our team 
to have a backup, we know that it won't be a problem. I mean, it creates a logistic problem, but that's only a logistic problem. It, it won't affect the, it won't be a problem in the race because uh, we, we, uh, we know that uh, you know we we have team uh, people that uh, fit together and work well together and have you know similar uh, expectations and and uh, and objectives. So um, no, yeah. it was yeah. uh, no news. I mean, we all had things come up in our lives in the last few months that we could talk about. Those types of fun stories came up, but right, um, yeah, yeah, we were pretty. A lot of business though was out there, just like. Still yeah. try to have some small lifting spirits, small talk, but mostly it was about where we were physically and um, yeah, how to move forward and um, try to keep that balance. And we uh, we all also uh, and and I think that we we talked about that this morning, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, you know, we we take a lot of uh, um, preventive actions. Uh, so we, uh, you know, every time something comes up, we don't wait to to bring it up and talk about it because we and we solve a lot of stuff just by talking through it and uh, making a plan. You know, uh, so uh, at some point we wanted to we knew we had to make a, a foot care stop uh, during that big trek. And and, you know, a, a foot care stop seems like. Uh, you know, a small thing to do or just, okay, we stop, we take care of our feet. But I mean, in an expedition race, it's a very strategic move and important move. Uh, so we, uh, you know, I think we talked about it like at least an hour and a half or two hours. Okay. When are, when are we going to do, uh, how are we going to do uh, Yeah. Okay. So we're going to sit and we're going to, uh, you know, and it was uh, during that trek where, you know, the, the vegetation, <laughs> we were afraid of the, the vegetation a bit. So we were like, okay, Okay, uh, I don't want to sit in the poison ivy. <laughs> so I was like, no, I, no, like in the bush. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we knew, okay, we're going to cross a road at that point. Uh, and it's about, uh, I don't know, it was about uh, an hour and a half. maybe an hour and a half later. We're like, okay, yeah, it feels like a good time. And, uh, we, we'll, and there was water nearby. There was water nearby. We're going to be able to fill, to do this, uh, to do our foot care. I had to go to the bathroom. Uh, so yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels like the right time. Uh, and okay, we're going to sit in circle. We're going to put skin doctor in the middle and do our thing. And uh, we were done in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, that thing, you know, it's a kind of, it's an example of stuff that we plan ahead. And, you know, and you have to, and that also applies to uh, a lot of stuff, but TAs especially, if you have a vision of what you will do, it's it does half of it. Uh, so we we try to have a, a vision of what are our next actions, and where we're when we're ready, we, we can you know uh, execute the plan. You've been more than generous with your time, and I know that you have a second nap and a third meal coming your way. So I have a final question for you. Bentonville, as we started the podcast with, really showed up well for this race. The Ozark Mountains, it's gorgeous. A lot of our listeners will not be familiar with, with the topography, the region, things like that. You've raced all over the world. You've raced in a lot of different places. What did it remind you of? What other places that you've raced did this area remind you of? And I asked that question because I want to give the listener a sense of what they could expect when they're down there. Oh, the Ozarks are like this part of the world. What was your experience there? That's a good, great, great yeah, question. Great question. You two had some flashback from Paraguay. Yeah, we did, yeah. The, the sunset, the sunset, yeah. and the forests um, kind of reminded me of Paraguay. And maybe also because that forty-five mile trek, we also started and uh, towards the well, we started in Paraguay with a big, big trek, and that big trek was kind of towards the front end. So Dusty and I were talking about that, and the 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 way that there was so many international teams also reminded us of the worlds. Um, and then Bentonville reminded me of um, Bend, Oregon, um, just because like all the bikes and um, super friendly people and um, just like this awesome little town and the rivers. I don't know if I've ever 
been on rivers like that, honestly. So um, clean. So like clean. And blue water. Yeah. And turtles. Oh, oh my gosh. Turtles. I love the turtles. I'm in love with turtles now. <laughs> like hundreds of turtles. It was so cute. Um, so that that now reminds that is the Ozark for me are the rivers here with like the awesome rock walls. Um, yeah, the colors were beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, all the dirt were roads that connect everywhere, and it's so clean. So, like, mm -hmm. like I will come back for a gravel bike for sure around here. It's yeah, great. Well, does it you of any place? Does it find you of any place? I'm trying. Yeah, to well, there's some vibes. <laughs> oh, I did not that's like a, the vibes. That's the one thing yeah. that yeah. I I really dislike about this place was. <laughs> The vines. vines. Well, I don't know if it's vines. Briars. Briar, yeah, the brambles. Is it brambles? Okay. Brambles. Like stickers, brambles. Huge yep. stickers. Yeah. Just, yeah. I've, I've never raced that race, the Berkeley Marathon, but everyone talks about how gnarly the vegetation is there. And yeah. That's, that, that's very much that's a Northeastern US thing, also. Like when you yeah, go out in the spring and summer. That. It's like it, thorns like this, and you have to wear the bash yeah. cards on your legs. But it, yeah, it sounds like, snakes. I mean, if our, if our oh, biggest problem. A are, lot of snakes. A lot of snakes. Okay. Like, yeah like six and they were big and they came out of nowhere when we were hiking they were like, oh my God. <laughs> well, were they, well chelsea were they really there or was it like you know we awake for like 50 hours no we all saw them we all saw them we all saw them so it, was a, it was a group hallucination then. okay too. okay so we all saw the same thing there was not many hallucinations this race no oh. it's hard to hallucinate when you're going that fast because you can smell yeah. the finish line yeah. <laughs> well, Ben Racing Skin Doctor, you've been generous with your time. You've been very, very good. So tired as you must be talking with us in the dark zone. We appreciate it. We're going to push this episode out right away. Enjoy the rest of your time in Bentonville. Enjoy the uh, award ceremony tomorrow. Um, teams are still coming in, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of stories passing around. So thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you, thank Brian, you. for thanks. your time. That's, that's really nice of you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Well, there you have it, listeners. Bend Racing Skin Doctor and their victory at Expedition Ozark. Special thanks to Rob Howard of SleepMonsters.com for helping to arrange for the interview and supplying the technology. We're lucky to have him in the sport. Special thanks to our sponsor, VJ Shoes, USA.com slash the dash dark dash zone. Check out VJ Shoes for their lightweight and sticky and grippy and wonderfully drainy shoes. Enter code darkzone20, all one word, darkzone2020 for a $20 discount on your purchase. And thank you again to our charity partner, Ascend Athletics, for all that you bring to young women in Afghanistan and Pakistan. We are proud to support your mission of developing leadership and community service in that part of the world. Listeners, thanks for being here. You have a lot of choice in how you spend your time, and we're grateful that you choose to spend it with the Dark Zone. To help us out, go like our Facebook page and head over to your platform of choice and rate, click, and like. Their algorithm likes that when people pay attention to podcasts. Spread the word. Thanks for being here and good luck racing and have fun training. <laughs>